0: Welcome to the Living Ageless and Bold podcast. I'm your host, Christina Daves, and in each episode, I bring you amazing women who inspire, educate, and share their experiences and journeys along the way. So grab a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, find a cozy spot, and let's relax and have some fun hearing what can be accomplished after 55. 55. Welcome, everybody. You know that I love to bring just dynamic, exciting women who are at a particular age and stage in their lives. And I actually met our next guest, Joanne McDonald, on a phone call. It was a group of speakers. And when I heard her say, and I'll have her talk about it, but some statistic that there were only four CEOs, women CEOs in this field in Canada, I was like, Wow. So we have a lot to talk with her about getting to that point and then what she's doing now, which is really cool. So welcome, Joanne. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Christine. I'm so happy to be here. This is, you have such a great career and then your next chapter, which we'll get to. But let's talk about what you did and how you were so successful building this career in Canada.
1: I look back on my career and honestly, I have to say, when you're in it, you're just in it. But when you have a chance to look back on it, I loved every second of it. And, you know, sometimes there's ups and downs, of course. And sometimes you're in sort of the weeds and you're thinking, oh, gosh, you're questioning yourself and your abilities. But looking back on it in a way, I enjoyed that energy, too. I am from the Atlantic coast of Canada. I was actually born on a very small island in the Atlantic called Prince Edward Island, where there's only about 100,000 people on the whole island. And we moved to the mainland when I was quite young, but still on the Atlantic coast of Canada, very small community, maritime community. And I grew up with a very maverick mother <laughs> and a wonderful father. And my mother was way ahead of her time. Way, and I didn't know it at the time, but what an unbelievable role model that she was. I think just sort of unbeknownst to her, because this was just her life. And it was never, ever a question that my sister and I could do whatever we wanted to do in our lives, the same as my brother. And uh, it was very clear to me after I was in sales for about 20 years that if I wanted to get into leadership roles, I would have to leave this part of Canada, that there just wasn't those opportunities that typically, and I think it's still true, that people would get to leadership roles here and they stay. So if you want to get into those roles, unfortunately, you have to wait for somebody to retire or worse. (laughs) And so it was a good lesson. I went to my leader at one time and said to her, I love what I'm doing. I think you're a wonderful leader, which she is, she was. But I'd like to contribute more to this company. So if there is, it was a national company here in Canada. If there was opportunities somewhere else, I would like maybe your support for those opportunities. She was shocked because I had a husband and a dog and a son, and she had no idea that I was willing to move for my career And it was a great lesson that I've passed on to a lot of young women professionals. Don't think that people know. Just because they're in your orbit doesn't mean they know. And within a few months, I was offered a job on the west coast of Canada, my first leader job, to run the province of British Columbia for my company. And so I started to move into leadership roles, which culminated a number of years later as a CEO in Toronto, setting up the Canadian division of a legal expense insurance provider. So very exciting, but communicating and telling your leaders what your personal vision was, was always a defining thing for me in my career.
0: Well, I just want to say real quick, that's such an important lesson. And I'm finding that I geared this toward did the podcast you know, for women over 55, but there are a lot of younger women listening and they can learn a lot from us you know having 30 years of experience in this and that's a really important thing and i raised my kids that way i said you have to ask just ask what is the worst anyone's going to say is no but like you said if you don't ask if you don't tell somebody what you're interested in you might just get looked over and i think especially for women unfortunately because they think of us as the caregivers and oh wait, you want to have right the husband, the kids, the dog, the house, and you want to be a CEO? Can you do that? Well, yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, and I think too,
1: I, I do a lot of delivery of training content now in my consulting role, and a big aspect of it, which was a mentor of mine had had talked to me about this when I was probably in my late twenties, and it became a roadmap for my career, and that was taking time to develop, literally writing down your personal vision and proactively having that conversation with your leaders and talking about what that is. A hundred words or less could be one sentence. You should review at least once a year, once a year, because what I find is if you don't define yourself, others will define you and they will be either right or wrong. And they will say in your career, Oh, you'd be good for that role. And oftentimes we think, would we? Or the reverse. You know, I don't think you're good for that role. I'm not. You don't have a clear personal vision. Then you can allow and you will allow others to define you. And that can be sort of the squirrel and the shiny thing. And you're, and there's not a direction. I knew from the time I was 28. And it was just a salesperson jumping over snowbanks on the East Coast of Florida that I wanted to be a CEO by the time I was fifty five. And I became a CEO when I was fifty one. But I didn't really care about the industry or the product or service. I really wanted to hone my skills as a sales individual and as a strong leader. And I thought, those skills can be applied to any industry. And I went from banking and it was all very deliberate in trying to increase my skill set. I went from banking to pharmaceuticals to title insurance to PNC and legal expense insurance. And I remember I was in banking on a Friday and on a Monday, I was in a room in this pharmaceutical company writing an exam on the physiology of the eyeball. Literally within four days, I was calculating penalties on a mortgage. Now I'm writing an exam about eyeballs and I found it fascinating and exhilarating and challenging. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid to leave their industry and sometimes the opportunities tap out. So the world is your oyster. Just open up your mind to other things and it's, it can be a
0: really beautiful thing. I love that you brought that up. I speak in, for college students. I mentor college students at my alma mater, and I just did it a couple weeks ago, and I graduated in a double major of political science and German. I wanted to be an international lawyer. That was my dream. I couldn't get into law school. I couldn't, I tried. I just did not do well on the LSAT exam. And when I tell the kids, you know, I'm 56 and that I go through, you know, that piece of paper that you're getting in May is really only important in May, you know, that first job. (laughs) After that, if you had told me back then that I would be in PR, that I would be on TV, that I would be speaking on stages, I picked a major where I wouldn't have to do public speaking. That's how that started. And, And but you can do, and I've done so many different things, just like you just say, which just helps you build on what you bring to the next company, the next career. But it's such an important lesson and important for our age. If you get pushed out of corporate, there is a lot of ageism. If you decide to fi- you know, retire from your career, you want to change. Like you just said, the world is your oyster. You can do anything.
1: I'm not just saying that because I have all kinds of time that my internal dialogue is saying, are you a fraud? Did that happen? Do you have anything to contribute? We all have that. But at the same time, I do find it on a daily basis that there is a moment in my day that I say, wow, I can really do whatever I want it to do. I was thinking the other day, if I wanted to become a welder, I could do that. (laughs) You know, if I wanted to get my pilot's license, I could do that. I mean, nothing
0: should make anyone afraid, but it's a confidence thing. And I think that comes with age. I think you get to a point, like I launched the podcast. If I help one person, if one person gets inspired by it, I'm thrilled. And, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like there's, it won't kill me. There's something else that I can do. I did this because I'm really passionate about it. And you're right. It doesn't, you, we can do anything we want to do, which I love. But even my son's 29,
1: he's gone back to school. He's finishing in June. And, you know, we went out for a big long hike for Mother's Day yesterday. And he was saying to me, I, he's, he's applying for jobs. And he said, you know, if I don't get, and this was his words, This is such a a 29-year-old thing to say. If I don't get my dream job, I might just bartend for a while. (laughs) Dream job? This is your first job at a school. Like, that's... Okay, let me just... Oh, my gosh. I obviously did something wrong here. There's no dream job at a school. There's no dream home when you first buy one. There's no fancy car. Like, you start with something and you start to build your knowledge base. You start to build kind of what your sticker price is so that eventually you've got knowledge and experience and know-how that you can leverage for your dream job. That's how it works. And it's quite surprising that, you know, he's grown up with this mother as a single mother for a long time. That's what came out of his mouth yesterday. (laughs) No. Anyway.
0: anyway. So talk about the CEO role in that There are so few women who really do get to that place. And everything you read, and Simon Sinek talks about this, that, you know, women should run all companies. They really should because they're empathetic and sympathetic more so than men, but it really isn't like that. And you broke the glass ceiling and got there. What was your experience along the way? I loved
1: it. My career unfolded just very organically, opportunities would come up and, you know, I'd consider some and not others. And those that I considered, you know, I would pursue and sometimes you get them and sometimes you didn't. And it was the same with this role. I was very happy. I was the vice president of a large insurance brokerage in Ontario with a great management team. I'd gone in to do some restructuring of the company and we had done all the hard work and now we were reaping the rewards. And I was the VP of the front end of the operation and another bold and ageless woman was the CEO and we worked really well together. In fact, we're now back working together in this consulting team, which is just so beautiful. But I was in a wonderful spot and a recruiting company in Toronto had reached out to me about this role as CEO of this company I knew nothing about. And uh, once again, I was going to be going into an industry I knew very little about, mm-hmm. potentially, even for the interviews. I talked to my husband and said, well, this is where I want it to go. And I don't know exactly how you get there unless somebody asks you to walk in the door. I mean, what do you do? Do you apply for jobs as to Like, I don't know. <laughs> So it was a bit early. I was in a really good spot. That was a big decision to start to pursue because it's like anything. I've done a lot of acting in my life. You never audition if you don't think you're going to get it because you have to plan for that. So it was six months of interviewing. Yeah. And it was interesting because the recruiting company was downtown Toronto and I was on the outskirts working outside of Toronto. And they would say, can you come in at 11.30 a.m. for a meeting? No, I've got a job. No, I'm not trotting around. No, I'm not going to be contrary, but I've got a job. So anyway, they worked around it and it took six months. Interviews, remote interviews, Zoom interviews, even when it was before COVID because my my head office was in Europe. Then they flew me to head office in Europe I, where I met One day, 26 people interviewed me in one day. I left my my hotel room at 8.30 a.m. that day, got back at five after midnight, and I had met 26 people that day. (laughs) Flew home, and within a few weeks, I was offered the role. So it was a long and lengthy experience, but yeah, I loved it. We were setting up operations. This company operates in 19 countries, and so Canada was actually going to be the 19th. I reported to a board for the first time and it was scary and it was big and it was small and it was public and it was, there was lots of traveling and sort of being the ambassador of building this brand in Canada and lots of hard work, seeing clients. I was a working CEO, really digging out prospects, going to see other CEOs, you know, sitting in their offices and talking about our story and, you know, really a working role. And uh, so I was on a two-year contract and uh, I didn't know COVID was happening, but I had sort of a crazy career. And so my contract was over January of 2020. And so the intention was (laughs) I was going to leave this. I'd left it better than I had found it. And somebody else was coming in and all was good. And my husband and I were going to travel together and go to shows and eat out and just do things that we'd missed because of my crazy career. And, of course, we know what happened in March of that year. So,
0: (laughs) Well, but then, so but you did move on after that. Now you've got such a fun second chapter, really living your passion. So let's talk about that. Oh my gosh.
1: Makes me cry. Yeah. I did take a break. Obviously the world shut down, but I had hired when I was a CEO, a coaching firm to coach me because when you're in that role, as we all know, there's really no coaching happening, especially if your board is, you know, eight hours away from you. And so I had hired this coaching firm that I'd known for a long time to take on that role for me. And so a number of months after I had retired, I'd moved back home. We owned a home on the East Coast. We moved back home just before COVID. They contacted me and said, you know, we understand if you need a break, but when you're ready, Wondering if you might come and do some consulting with us, and I said to the owner, "What does that mean?" He said, "I don't know. <laughs> but we'll figure it out." So, about August of that year, I reached out and said, "I would love to have a conversation." And so, that's been now three years. This coming August, so I work with this consulting firm with this previous woman that we worked together before. There's four of us. We absolutely—this is crazy, I know—but we absolutely love each other. At the end of team meetings via Zoom, because I don't live in the same province, we'll all say,
0: "Okay, love you," and we just go about our day. It's okay. Let's just imagine four men doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing that popped into my head. Love you, bud.
1: Love you. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) listen to SmartList, the podcast this morning, Jason Bateman. And they're always telling each other they love you. And it's so refreshing. It is really refreshing. Yeah, it is. Paul Anka on today. But yeah, so I work and we do, we feel really good work. We work with thriving entrepreneurs that have good companies and want them to be great. And so we'll go in and have a discovery around what their needs are. Quite often, my focus of course is on sales and sales leadership. And quite often they're stuck with organic growth and they're not quite sure because you're in it, what that diagnosis is. And when somebody from the outside comes in, it's usually pretty clear and pretty simple to help them through that, to get them unstuck. And so it's so fulfilling to see clients have these light bulb moments. You see their face and you're part of that. And that's what that's what I do now with this firm. And it's fulfilling. I feel like I'm, you know, contributing. I can do it obviously from the east coast of Canada. And we have clients all across the nation. So it's wonderful. And as you know, it's not the only thing I'm
0: doing. Right. And before we get into the super fun part, but what's really important is like if somebody's listening to this, it sounds like oh, that had just got lucky. Like she just, you worked your butt off to get where you were very strategic. You really positioned yourself. And it's important. And it's important to know, because I hear that sometimes, oh, Christina, you're so lucky. And my husband gave me a plaque that I have on my desk that says overnight success takes 15 years. <laughs> you know. I've been working my butt off for more than 15 years to get here today. So it's important to know that Yeah. It sounds like you just kind of were in the right place in the right time, but you really put yourself in those positions to get to, and your goal was to be the CEO. 55, you did it a little earlier. Now you're consulting and you have a super fun next chapter that you're working on, which I love.
1: Yes. So when I was younger, you know, still in high school, I did a lot of acting and I come from a very musical family. A lot of East Coast Canadians are very musical, if anyone knows anything about East Coasters, but which is nothing special here, (laughs) but it just was the way it was. But it was an option after high school to go to New York. I had two mentors here that were really supporting me in doing that, although my parents were terrified (laughs) that was going to (laughs) happen. (laughs) <laughs> but that wasn't the course I took. I went and got a university degree and sort of took a more traditional route. But theater, music, and performing was always part of, you know, my upbringing. My career took me, of course, away from that for almost 20 years. And when I did retire as a CEO and move back home, when COVID would open up a little bit and close and open up a bit, I hadn't seen a lot of my musical friends that I adored, for a long time because I didn't live on this part of Canada. So when the bubble opened back that July, I scrambled to try to find people's cell phone numbers. I didn't have anybody's numbers. And I thought, we're going to have a little reunion because I just want to see what their lives are like. And so we had about 12 people come over. I think we we're allowed 15 people at the time. And it seems crazy now. But we sat around and oh my gosh, ah. Uh, it was such an amazing night. These beautiful people in my living room. And after a couple of hours, one person jumped on my piano and started playing. And somebody else stood up and started singing. And that went on for a few hours. And every person that got up, my, I was gobsmacked about, they're even more talented than I remember, every one of them. And when they left that night, I walked them all out. I came upstairs and I said to my husband, We're all in our fifties and some in sixties and talent beyond. I said to my husband, I have to create a production company that literally gives an outlet so that audiences can see what I just saw in my living room tonight, because there's nothing wrong with being a grandparent, but none of us are grandparents. And if we went to audition for a show, we would be cast as a grandparent. And, you know, when you look at Jane Fonda and Jennifer Aniston and all these people that are 50 plus and you would never think Jennifer Aniston should be grandmother in the next movie. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) No way. That's that's what I experienced. These people were. So that was the beginning of me recruiting three other people that I've known for a long time that are way smarter than me to create. So we're co-founders of a production company called Act Three productions, because we're not exclusive to people in their third act, but we want to ensure that what we write, what we produce, and what we put on stage, that people in their third act are in the front of the production, and that they have an outlet so audiences can see. We just did a three-night sold-out musical show just three weeks ago with 10 of us, and four musicians, six singers, sold out, people on their feet, yelling and screaming, looking for encores. And guess what? We're all in our third act. We're all 55 less. So yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: I love it. So where is this? Where in Canada? So
1: this is in on the East Coast in a place called New Brunswick, and it's a small province on the Atlantic coast. And as I said, New Brunswick Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island are all the four Atlantic provinces, and they're full of music and very talented people. And so we've got endless supply of creativity around us that we can bring together and produce really quality shows. So we're in our third season this year, and it's people want to work with us because, you know, we're... People at this age know how to organize things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> know how to communicate effectively. And all of those things in the creative pursuit are really good for people that have other lives because we're not agitating anyone. We are very organized and they're able to come into these productions and really be creative without all the distraction of
0: disorganization. So it's it's been a beautiful thing so far. So cool. We keep talking about that. Why they companies let women over 50 go. This is their prime. This is like you just said, we're organized. We're efficient. You know, not afraid to pick up the phone. We get stuff done. Like, hello, what are
1: you doing? We did a survey of all the people that were involved with this show because we want to know. We want to know the pros and cons of working with us, which even then 20 years ago, we didn't want to know. Ignorance was bliss somehow, but we wanted to know. And, you know, the feedback was that the fact is we will work with you again because you are organized, you communicate effectively, you give lots of lead time for rehearsals so we're not panicked, we're ready, we're prepared, there's milestones set out so everyone knows what they're getting themselves into. All of those things in business that we've learned along the way, you can apply to a creative thing like this and other things. And it just becomes, the experience is just better because of it, yeah.
0: Are you streaming it? Can people watch or do you have to be there?
1: We have streamed in the past. This last one we didn't stream. It was each time we're doing something, we're pushing our limits (laughs) of knowing what the heck we're doing. And uh, so we feel that because we sold out for these three shows, there's a life for this show somewhere else. So we have been communicating with artistic directors in other venues on the East Coast. And we're really hopeful. We have sort of a foot in the door in a place where we really want to perform this, a thousand seat theater and do a few nights and we will stream that one. So we're just learning. We don't want to take on too much and not do it well. We'd rather just do baby steps. So just hiring musicians this time, was a whole different thing that we have never experienced before and so but uh,
0: we will stream the next one i think yeah but this is such a great example of like you said third chapter second chapter just you sat in your hole you heard this beautiful music and you're like let's do something with it you know and that's i think so many of us are doing that this this podcast was like that i do not going to say his name the jerk from CN made me so angry that I kind of had this idea. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it now. We're the same age and I'm past my prime. Oh, let me show you some amazing women, buddy. Like, and he's gone now anyway. So
1: he should have been gone a long time ago, but my mother would be 94 this year if she was alive. She was one of those women that just carved a path in her small community for other women. And that was 75 years ago when women didn't have much of a voice back then for sure. And, you know, she made an impact in her small little world. And I often think if mom was in this kind of world, you know, at that age with her mindset, she would have just been, yeah, she would have just taken over the world, you know, but we have such a vehicle with technology, with our voice, you know, with having long-term careers. We're the first generation, Christina. Yeah. Right. Like our mothers typically didn't have You know, uh, career, whatever that is, until they're sixty-five or seventy or seventy-five, we're the first generation to do that, and you know, we need to have a voice because we have the technology to do that. You're in the states; I'm in Canada. You know, we're connected.
0: Do you know what I heard on the radio this morning? I and I can't believe this is our lifetime. I think it was 1973. Gerald Ford enacted a law that would allow women to apply for their own credit card. Because until 1970 something, your husband had to get the card for you. Can you believe that? That's like in our lifetime. I was like, I was shocked. I had no idea.
1: I was just talking the other day. I had come, I had visitors here, and we we're traveling around. And there was a big golf club just close to here. My boyfriend in 1985, I was my grad year of high school, was like a big golfer guy, and I remember going to the club. In 85. And we were going to have lunch there. And he said, Oh no, you can't come in this door. You have to go up and around and go upstairs. You can't come through the clubhouse. And I looked at him saying, what, why? Because you're a female. And I was shocked. I did not grow up, as I said, in a household that wasn't even, that would be like saying, like there's an elephant coming for dinner. Like it didn't exist. And I looked at him, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I remember saying, well, if I'm not going through there, you're not going through there. And it was so uncomfortable to be in that space. 18 years old, 1985. Is that when you wrote down
0: you were going to be CEO? (laughs) (laughs) This isn't happening again. Right. Right. Sometimes that's what sparks you. So we end every podcast asking the same two questions. So what is your greatest accomplishment since you've turned 50?
1: I have to say, I would like to say that becoming a CEO, because that happened at 51, but I don't think that's my greatest accomplishment. I think it's happening right now with Act 3 Productions, mm-hmm. that this bringing joy to people through your effort, like pure joy, through your efforts, taking nothing, creating something, writing something, seeing somebody else speak your words, and then audiences actually crying or laughing or clapping, it's overwhelming to see that happen. And our first season, which is three years ago now, I wrote it, scared to death, wasn't in it, in the back of a theater watching the first night, and people were crying, and red eyes after clapping. I was in knots, and I was like, these five people are saying my words in front of people. It was the freakiest thing, and that is continuing. So I think, really, in my 50s, that's my greatest accomplishment, and it's still happening.
0: I love it, and that's all post-career. I love it, congratulations on that. And then where do you see yourself in 10 years?
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, happy. I would like to have, I would like everyone around me to be really healthy and happy. And I would really like act three to be my legacy. So I see myself eventually, I want to buy a property. We're going to look at a property tomorrow to buy for act three and start to really bring this to a more physical level and really expand that business of theater in this area and so i think in 10 years i'd like to look back and say i've got a real thing going on here with act three productions which will be my legacy project
0: when i'm gone Oh, and you're going to do it. There's absolutely no question in my mind. So congratulations. And thank you for inspiring. This was so great, like just to see what you can build and then what you can do in your next chapter. So thank you. Oh,
1: thank you, Christina. You're so sweet. So kind. It's been really lovely.
0: Thank you for listening or for watching this episode of Living Ageless and Bold. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit subscribe. And if you like the episode, I hope that you will give us a great review. You can also head over to livingagelessandbold.com and sign up for information, inspiration, and exclusive opportunities for us, women over 55. Thanks for listening. And remember, no matter what you do, keep living ageless and bold.